0: Hello and welcome. So glad that you're able to join us today. However you're listening or watching online, we're just thankful to have you join us this week. I know things have been so crazy, but we're excited about a new year and looking forward to better days ahead. We kicked off a new series a couple weeks ago, and we took a break last week to talk about something a little bit different. So this is week two, a continuation of the series we started two weeks ago called F-Words. We're talking about the beginning of the year. A lot of the times we make New Year's resolutions. We want to better ourselves. We want to improve ourselves in some way. And that this can be a good thing to challenge ourselves to grow. And this is especially true when it comes to our relationship with God, that we want to grow and mature in our relationship with Christ. We kicked off this series a few weeks ago, and if you missed this first one, I would really encourage you to go back, take a listen, watch it. I believe it'll be a big encouragement and hopefully help you in your growth and growing to become more like Christ. But we said this in 1 Corinthians 3, Paul is teaching some people who are baby Christians, or maybe someone who should have been maturing, but they weren't really quite growing in their faith. And he tells them this, he says, Dear brothers, I have been talking to you, as though you are still just babies in the Christian life who are not following the Lord, but your own desires. I cannot talk to you as I would a healthy Christian who are filled with the Spirit. I have to feed you with milk and not with solid food because you couldn't digest anything stronger. And even now you still have to be fed on milk for you're still only baby Christians controlled by your own desires, not God's. When you are jealous of one another and divide into quarreling groups, doesn't that prove that you are still babies wanting your own way? In fact, you are acting like people who don't belong to the Lord at all. So Paul is dealing with some people who are new to the faith, and Paul did this all the time because he was starting new churches, new ministries, leading people to Christ for the first time, and there's nothing wrong with being a baby, and there's nothing wrong with being a baby Christian. Like, it's just when a newborn comes along and a baby's born, no one's like, hey, you need to grow up and get over that baby. No, there's there's a natural phase that comes with that, but there is a time to mature and grow, and this is what Paul's reminding them. He's saying, hey, I, I can't give you solid food because you still need spiritual milk because you're not maturing. And we can tell this because you're just living for your own selfish ways and desires. You're not living the way that God wants you to live. And that's what we've been unpacking and talking about in this series, the way that God wants us to grow and mature in our Christian faith. And it's okay to be a spiritual baby. It's just not okay to stay that way. I mean, it would look pretty odd if we saw a teenager with a bottle and some milk. We'd probably say there's some developmental issues there and they kind of need to grow up a little and be able to eat solid food. The same thing is true in our spiritual walk with God. That there's a time to be a spiritual infant, to be young in our faith, and there's a time to put the work in and mature and grow in our relationship with Jesus. And so as we be unpacking this, we've been talking about spiritual disciplines. We ask the question, why are they called disciplines? Well, because they're kind of hard to do, but there's always a reward on the other side from putting the discipline in. If you exercise and work out and you eat right, you're gonna get some really great benefits on the other side with your health. If you put in the work and to your education and learning and growing and putting yourself into bettering yourself, there's probably gonna be some reward on the other side of that. And the same thing is true in our walk with God. When we put spiritual disciplines in, into place. There is a price to pay. There is work that has to be put into it. But there's always a benefit to reap on the other side. As we've been talking about this series, and it's called F-Words, and if you missed the first installment, we're not cussing here. We're talking about first fruits. And this is something that was instituted a very long time ago in the Old Testament, that God asked His people, His followers, that He said, hey, I want to have the celebration of first fruits, and I want you to put bring me the first fruits of your labor, of your crops, of your animals, to show that you trust me and that I am first in your life. God required his people to give of their first fruits, to show with their heart, hopefully being lined up with that, they weren't just going through the motions, but that God was truly first in their life. By giving the first fruits, Israel acknowledged that all good things come from God and they belong to God. They were meant to show that God was first in every area of their life and that there was faith to trust him. Now we unpack that a little bit more in the first week, but just this idea that there's something that even though we don't celebrate those exact rituals anymore of the Old Testament followers of God, that God still wants to be first in our life. He still wants to be first in every area. So the first week we unpack this idea of fasting and prayer. And just quickly, fasting and prayer, spending time with God, and fasting is going without food for maybe a certain length of time, skipping a meal, or a certain length you go into and just plan this, or a certain type of food. Basically, it's something challenging that you do, saying, I'm going to deny my flesh in order to spend more time with God, and coupling that with not just starving yourself, but spending time with God in prayer. And so that first week, that F word was fasting, and it's an act of worship. And we said for 21 days of prayer in January, something tree line's doing right now. The first fruit for us is the very first part of the year in January. We want to spend that dedicated to God, fasting and praying and seeking Him, and that when we fast, we're able to draw closer to God, that we can fast for personal revival or maybe direction in our life that we need or a healing or even a breakthrough, that we do this in dedication and worship to God. It's not just a simple empty routine that we go through. It's an act of worship and dedication to God, showing Him that He. Is first. The next F word we're going to tackle today is actually flow. Well, what does that mean, flow? Well, flow basically is this it's your time, it's your schedule, and it's your priorities. See, if God is first in every area of our life, then we've got to talk about our flow, our time, our schedules, and our priorities. And God wants your heart. God wants to be first. He wants to know that he is king of your life in every single area. And honestly, friends, there are two good ways, two good measures that we can look at and get a glimpse at what is first in our lives. Now, that's our time and that's our money. I heard someone say that years ago and I couldn't believe it's, it's so true that you basically your wallet, your checkbook and your schedule, your calendar. If you took a glimpse at that, it's pretty much going to show with a certain amount of accuracy what it is that has your heart, what is first, what takes priority in your life. Now, today we're talking about flow. We're talking about our time, our schedule, our priorities, the things that we have important in our life, how we spend, what we do with our time. Now, I don't know about you, but if maybe you were growing up, you had a band that you just really looked up to, a music band, and I don't, maybe you were into music, and you think about your youth years, and maybe some of you had, you know, a little more hair and a few less pounds, you think about those days of being a groupie or going to concerts and having a great time, and man, can't you wait till this pandemic is over? We could just go to some concerts again and celebrate and have some fun, but I remember when I was in high school, there was a band that I really looked up to, it. and they were way before my day, but they were the rockers that stuck around forever, and it was the band Rush. I really loved Rush. I had a cousin that got me into them, and I had all of the CDs, and I had the hats and the shirts, and would go to the concert. I got to go to see them when they came to the Civic Arena at Pittsburgh, rocked out at the Igloo. It was absolutely amazing, and I was known for this in high school, so much so that if you remember when you graduate for senior picture, I don't know how much they do this anymore in this day with all the digital age, and pictures aren't as special, right, because you can just open up Instagram and Facebook and social media and get all these pictures. But back then, having a physical picture was the way to go. And I remember they would give out little wallet-sized pictures. And you'd write a little dedication on the back to your friend, telling them something nice or kind or something funny or a memory you would share. And you'd give those, you would collect them. And I think I still have some in a box somewhere. But I remember specifically at had a friend who graduated a couple years before me. And she, she wrote out a little card and said, you know, a few nice things and some memories. And at the end, she was like, you worship. Rush. And at the time I was thinking, you know, that's pretty cool. And as I looked back, it really hit me that when someone was examining my life, when they took, when saw my priorities and what truly had my heart, in some ways I look back and I'm thankful for those memories, but honestly, sometimes it makes me a little sad that the thing that my life showed more than anything that I didn't worship God, that I, I worshiped Rush. I worshiped a band. Now there's nothing wrong with liking. And matter of fact, I still love Rush to this day. Neil Peart's like the best drummer in history. Ever, I mean, there are great musicians. It's a, it was a great concert. I, I'd go in a heartbeat. But see, the thing is, is when we get our priorities mixed up. When we choose to worship or put something in place of God, that He is not first in our life. And here's what I know to be true we will all worship something, all of us. We're going to worship something, but it's up to us to choose what it's going to be. And then we have to ask ourselves the question as followers of Jesus, those who've surrendered our life to Him, are we going to worship God? Are we going to worship Jesus? Is he going to be the first priority in our life. Is he going to take precedent over all the things, everything, even the good things? And now here's the rub. There's a big difference between saying that God is first in your life and actually being first in your life. And I think there's a really great way that we can find out if this is true for us. If someone on the outside of your life was looking in. What would they say about you? If they were to take a look at what you what you do, what is your priority? If they would take a look and examine your flow, if they looked at your time, your schedule, and your priorities, would they see that you put God first in that area of your life? Would they see that God is all-consuming and he is the most important thing? Or would they see something else has precedent and priority? Now, that might seem kind of harsh. You're like, man, Brian, that's kind of hard. But it, uh, unfortunately, it's true. There's only one thing that can have priority in our life, in our heart. And God wants to take that place in our life. Matter of fact, going all the way back into the Old Testament. Remember Moses? Remember Moses with the staff and he split the Red Sea and we hear all these amazing stories and these miracles that he did and just led God's people out of Egypt. Remember Pharaoh, Pharaoh? Oh, come on, someone, you know the song, Let My People Go. And he came out and he goes up to the mountain and God gives him the Ten Commandments. You see the scene and he's coming down with the Ten Commandments. And, and we have these now, even to this day, you'll see them in um, different places, and public sp- spots or in court rooms, they'll have them listed out here, because even all these years later, these were the rules that God said, hey, these are probably some really good things for you as my people to be following, like don't kill people, don't steal from one another, you know, really kind of common sense things, but they needed them in writing, and the very first one, you know, the very first commandment, number one, starting at the very top, it says this in Exodus 20, verse 3, you must not have any other God but me. So before any of these other things, I'm going to ask you very beginning, this is God saying, you must not have any other God. You can't worship anything else but me, which leads us to this idea of idols or idolatry. Now what's an idol? An idol is something that's a false God, a lowercase g, not a capital G, the the God that we worship, the father God of Jesus. No, this is something else, a lowercase g, an idol of something that takes the place or precedent of God. Instead of worshiping, God, the one true God, we worship an idol, a lowercase g God, something that takes precedent. And honestly, this can be anything. Matter of fact, Tim Keller is an incredible theologian and pastor. In his book, Counterfeit Gods, he describes an idol as this. He said, is anything more important to you than God? It is anything that absorbs your heart and imagination more than God. Anything you seek to give you what you want, only what God can give. See, an idol can be something that you put before God. And it really, like that's a pretty broad definition. Well, it's because it's true. Anything that we place before God can become an idol. It can be something that we worship. We see it all the time in the Bible, in the Old Testament, that God's people were always being tempted. And god's reminding them constantly to not worship these idols, these false gods of these other religions. And sometimes there would be actually physical idols. They would make small statues or there'd be a, a really large statue. That was made or some form or image that was shaped to look like something and they would people would literally bow and worship and bring offerings and sacrifice to them and God's constantly like hey I'm the one true God don't worship those idols don't fall into that and then even after Jesus came the writers and the authors of the New Testament are constantly reminding people hey don't worship other idols don't give your heart away to something else other than the one true God. Matter of fact, in Colossians 3, 5, it says away then with sinful earthly things, deaden the evil desires lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual sin, impurity, lust, and shameful desires. Don't worship the good things of life for that is idolatry. Now, hold up. On the first part of this, we can see, okay, well, I could see an idol or something that I put before God. Yeah, well, God doesn't want us worshiping those bad things, the dark nature, the sinful things, sinful desires, the lust, the darkness, the evilness, the hatred, the bitterness, all those things that we could label and categorize on the bad side of things. Well, obviously, God doesn't want us to put those things in front of him. But did you catch what I saw at the very end? Don't worship the good things of life. That an idol can be something that's even good good, something that could even be great, something that even could be from God, that if we put it in a place that we exalt it before God, it becomes an idol in our lives. Now, why would the authors and why would God use them over and over in the Old Testament and New Testament and say, hey, you got to watch your heart. Don't worship idols. Don't put anyone before me. You got to watch it. Don't do this. Why would they constantly have to be reminded? Why do we as followers of Jesus also need these reminders? Well, I think it's because God knows that our hearts, they're going to wonder. That even when we say yes to a relationship with Jesus, even if we have the best intention to following after him, if we are not careful and we are not intentional about what we're putting first in our life, our hearts will start to wonder and drift. Friends, you may have experienced this. This is maybe something that you've experienced in your own life, that you intend to follow after God. You intend to give him your best and make him first, but then something else slowly begins to creep in. Something else begins to take precedence. Something else captures your heart. And now, without you even trying or intending to, something becomes an idol in your heart. See, it's not always this bad intention thing where it's like, forget God, I'm going to go worship this instead. More often than not, it's the slow, subtle fade, the drift away from God, something else pulling our heart, our emotions, our, our, our love, our care away from instead of placing it in God and putting our hope, our trust, our faith, our worship, our adoration into something else. Ephesians 5, 15 and 17 says, don't waste your time on useless work. Mere busy work, the barren pursuit of darkness. Just pause there for a moment. I wish some of my teachers in school would have read this passage about not wasting your time on busy work, but that's another message for another day. Expose these things for what a sham they are. It's a scandal when people waste their lives on things they must do in darkness where no one shall see. Rip the cover off those frauds and see how attractive they look in the light of Christ. Wake up from your sleep. Climb up out of your coffins. Christ will show you the light. So watch your step. Use your head. Make the most of every chance you get. These are desperate times. And finally, don't live carelessly, unthinkingly. Make sure you understand what the Master wants. See, if we could just distill that little passage down, I think it it just basically comes to this. Don't spend your time chasing after everything the world has to offer. Instead, be mindful, be aware of what it is that you are pursuing. Basically, know what it is that is your flow. Where is your time? Where is your schedule? Where are your priorities? And then really there in verse 17, make sure you understand what the master, what Jesus, what God wants from you? What is the Lord's will and how we spend our time and how this dictates what we do with our flow? Are we simply chasing after desires of our own flesh? How we can just get more and acquire more things and just satisfy our own needs and desires? And honestly, friends, we can waste our time on many things. I mean, we could just start making a list and go down. There are endless possibilities in our world, in our culture where you can just spend time and just lose yourself and not spend your time on the things of God. And honestly, there's nothing wrong with a lot of these things. Nothing wrong with hobbies. There's nothing wrong with chilling and relaxing. There's nothing wrong with entertaining yourself and and going out and doing things. There's nothing wrong with any of that unless we're not making time for God. And our entire life becomes about the pursuit of fulfilling a need just simply for ourselves and instead of pursuing the things of God. We've got to live in pursuit of Jesus. We can't be living for anything else everything in this world is going to pass away. You can't take any of it with you. All we can do is live for the kingdom of God, knowing that we store our treasures in heaven where the Bible tells us that they're not going to rust and we're not going to be a bunch of moths showing up there eating it. It's not going to be a terrible thing when you get, no, it's going to be something that lasts forever. But somehow we get stuck in this, this temporary mindset of thinking it's just all about everything now and all the experiences and all the moments, and all the things we can acquire and everything that we can have and do. And God wants us, to enjoy this life. It's a gift from him. The problem is, is when we begin to put those things, even the things that he has given us before pursuing after him. See, when God is first, everything else will fall into place. Take a look at what Jesus said in Matthew 6. He said, don't worry at all about having enough food and clothing. Why be like the heathen, people who don't follow after God? For they take pride in all of these things and are deeply concerned about them. But your heavenly father already knows perfectly well that you need them. And he will give them to you if you give him first place in your life and you live as he wants you to. So he's saying, there's nothing wrong. He's like, hey, I know you need clothing. Hey, I need, you know, food. I know you need all of these earthly things and these things that we acquire. Yes, you need all of those things, but don't be like people who don't follow after God, who are obsessed with them. It's so easy to become about obsessed about the things and obsessed about the stuff and obsessed about acquiring or doing or achieving or having all these moments and experiences. And he's saying, hey, I know you need that stuff, but if you focus on me, if you put God God first, he's going to take care of you. He's not going to leave you out there wondering. He's not saying, hey, don't worry about clothes here. Just go be naked. He's like, I know you need clothes, but put me first and I'm going to take care of you. It's like putting on a shirt. Have you ever put on a button-up on shirt, button up shirt before and you start with the wrong button? You put the second one in the first buttonhole and you don't notice and you go all the way down, right? And by the time you get to the bottom, you know, the shirt's crooked and you have one extra hole there, a button, and you're like, oh man, you gotta back the whole thing up and start all over. This is what happens in our walk with God. That if we put God first, if we get that first buttonhole in, everything else is going to line up. Matter of fact, right after this, he says in verse 34, don't be anxious about tomorrow. God will take care of your tomorrow too. Live one day at a time friends, that we can take this to the bank, that this spiritual discipline of giving God the first of our time, giving the first of our flow, the result will be the best thing for us. It's like so many of the things that God asks us to do in his word when we absolutely submit to it. And there will be a cost. There will be a price of not living for our own desires. There will be some things that we'll have to sacrifice and say no in order to put God first in our life. But the reward and benefit that comes on the other side side of putting God first will always be worth whatever it is that we have to lay down. So what's the application of this look like? As we're talking about our flow, how how can we put God first in our lives? Well, I have four things quickly I want to share with you. If you're taking notes, write these down. The first one is this, give God the first of the day as we're talking about first fruits and we're giving God flow, our time, our schedule, our priorities, one of the greatest things we can do is give God the first of our day. See, we've got to make time to spend with God. Something that we've got to get out of our vocabulary is that we don't have time. See, we all have time. It's just what we decide to do with it. And we will make time for whatever it is is important, and has priority to us. And so one of the best things that we can do, and this is one of the best advice I can give you is to get up early and spend time with God. Now, why is this so? Because if you don't, you're never going to find time during the day. Even if you say you're going to at night, everything comes up. There's all these other things. The reports do. We got the kids and there's this and I'd go to the store and there just never seems to be time. You in the middle of the day, and maybe you have a routine that works for you. Awesome. But I know for me personally, I don't always get this right. But when I do, when I spend that time with God in the morning, I know these are the times that I feel closest to God. These are the times where my relationship grows, spending time in the word, spending time in prayer and just seeking and meditating on his word and maybe journaling or just writing some prayer requests down or some thoughts or just allowing myself to be in God's presence. You've got to start by giving him the first of your day. I love that Jesus modeled this for us. Matter of fact, in Mark 1, we see, see that Jesus actually goes out, says he went out early in the morning to spend time with God alone, that he wanted to go spend time, that Jesus, the son of God, got up early to spend time with his heavenly father. I think he did this setting an example for us that we've got to make the time. I heard someone say this years ago, and I know it's true, that social media will basically show once and for all that we had time to pray. Because if we have time to scroll, if we have time to watch that show, if we have time to do the entertainment, all the other things that we do, which there's nothing wrong with doing those, but if we're not making time for God, then we're not really putting him first in our life. So the first one, give God the first of the day. The second one is give God the first of the week friends, that there is a Sabbath and there's a Sabbath rest that God calls us to. And there's also a time where God calls us together as his people to gather. And that's something that we need to do. And I know it's looked very different in this COVID season and we've been online, but friends, can we just give God some praise? We're coming out of this. There is a vaccine. There are brighter days again. There are going to be times we're going to come together and we're going to celebrate and it's going to be good. It's going to be awesome. But Hebrews 10:25 tells us this. And I think this is interesting that all these years later, this this is something that still applies so much or maybe even more to us as followers of Christ. It says, And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another. See that we're not supposed to neglect coming together as Christ followers. It's something that we should do. And matter of fact, we should give God the first of our week. Now I'm going to put on the shepherd hat for a second and and pastor you and you might not like this and you might be like, Brian, I I don't like you. And and that's okay because you can talk to God about it because it's his word. I'm just helping us understand it. See friends, this is something that we've got to make a priority in our life. Worshiping God on Sunday should be a priority. It shouldn't be when there's nothing else going on in the schedule, then church and God get the leftovers of whatever's left being available. No friends, God says that he wants to be first and every area of our life, and it's so important that we come together and worship and you're like, well, Brian, you're just saying that because you're the pastor and you want the churchful friends. Trust me. This is something that's so important, that is so foundational, the importance of us gathering together as the body of Christ. It is not something that is optional, that we need this, that the start of our week needs to be that first fruit of bringing it to God, saying each week I'm bringing this to you. So you're saying that I have to go to church every single Sunday, 52 weeks a year. No, that's not what I'm saying at all. You're missing the point if that's what you're hearing. What I'm saying is that at church and spending time with God and worshiping together, together should be a priority in our lives. It doesn't mean that there aren't things that will come up. It doesn't mean that there will be times when we're not able to make it, but it should absolutely be a priority, not the leftovers in our schedule. And parents, if I can speak to us for a moment, starting with myself, this is something we've got to model for our children. We have got to model that church and spending time with God's people is priority. Because if we don't model for this when they're young, I can't tell you how many times, and you, ministry, where a parent would come to me frustrated or in tears or just broken because now they're a teenager who's now coming into young adult life. They don't want to go to church. They don't want anything to do with God. And it's heartbreaking because they didn't have it modeled for them that church was a priority and that there's nothing wrong with being involved with other things. There's nothing wrong with extracurricular activities and sports and bands and musicals and all the other things that we can fill our kids' schedule with. But friends, if we are making that a priority instead of the house of God, I think we need to take a step back because what is the pri- what was worth the price of our child excelling in some area of life and failing in their relationship with God? Like, man, Brian, that's pretty bold. I don't know if I like it. You don't need to like it. We just need to live it. We've got to set this example for our children so that they can live a life following after God. That if they put God first in their life, everything else will fall into place. We've got to set them up for the best chance that we can to be successful in their relationship with God. You're like, well, what if I do that, Brian? They choose to walk away. They have free will. They can make that choice. But we as parents have a responsibility to steward our children in the things and ways of God. Friends, we tell our children, right, school is not optional. You're gonna be educated right? Being, having hygiene and health, you're going to get a shower. You're going to be clean. You're going to appreciate it's not optional. You are going to have good personal hygiene. And the same thing is true when it comes to the things of God. We can't just be like, oh, well, they don't want to go to church. No, friends, we don't give them an option when it comes to school. We don't give them an option when it comes to hygiene. We don't give them an option when it comes to being manners and being productive human beings. We cannot give them that option when it comes to church because their flesh will say, I don't want to go. Just like they would say, I don't want to be clean and I don't want to go to school and I don't want to be productive. I want to sit here and veg out all day. We have to steward and champion their spiritual walk. We have that responsibility as godly parents. I know that's kind of heavy and that's kind of tough, but I just want to be honest with you as we talk about first fruits and in this series, we're just being real. And that achieving growth and growing and maturing in our relationship with God, it's going to take some work and friends at times, it's flat out going to be uncomfortable. But I believe that if we continue to put God first, we will see the fruit in our lives. So the first one was that we've got to give God the first of our day. Then we're going to give him the first of our week. And then we're going to give God first consideration in every decision. Have you ever thought about the decisions that we make? Do we bring God into those decisions or do we just simply use our own wisdom and intellect? See, God wants us to include him into that process. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, if you want favor with both God and man and a reputation for good judgment and common sense, then trust the Lord completely. Don't ever trust yourself. In everything you do, put God first and he will direct you and crown your efforts with success. I love this. This verse, these verses in Proverbs are reminding us to not just simply trust in ourselves. And why do I love this? Because there have been times where I've trusted in myself and I have fallen flat on my face. Now, there's been some times it's worked out, but more often than not, when I'm just looking into myself to try to figure everything out, especially life gets complicated. It gets tough. You get married and have some kids and then jobs and careers. <laughs> the decisions just get harder. The stakes get higher. And I just know that I need something beyond myself to lean on and that we've got to bring God into this. decision-making process. What does that look like? If we're making a decision, whether it's big or small, maybe the relationship where they're in, should we marry this person? Or should we're dealing with something with our children or going through something that we need healing or deliverance from, or maybe something with a job or relocating, you can just fill in the blank of whatever that is, big or small. Do we bring God into that process? Do we seek Him in prayer? Do we seek godly counsel to the Bible? Maybe we're like new to the Christian faith that we don't know a lot about. Do we seek other people? Maybe a small group leader, or a pastor, or a friend. Maybe a relative who's maybe a little further along in their relationship with Jesus. You can bring that to them and say, hey, I want to include God in this process. Will you you pray with me? What do you think the scriptures are something that applies to this to help me make this decision to use wisdom and not lean on my own understanding and knowing just right what it says here that if we put God first, he's going to reward our efforts. He's setting us up for success if we don't simply trust in ourselves, but instead we lean on him. The fourth and final one is this. Give God first place in your heart. Matthew 22, verse 37, the words of Jesus, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. God wants to be first in every area of our life, and he wants to sit on the throne of our hearts now, God can't be first in our life if there's something else that has taken this place. What does this look like? It looks like doing some introspection. It looks like do, taking some honest inventory. It may look back, sitting back and taking some stock of our life and our time and saying, is God truly first in our lives? And if we were really to examine that flow, if we were to take a look at at our time? If we were to take a look at our schedule, we would take a look at what we prioritize. Would it show that God is first in our heart? Would it show that we have given him our all, our best, our first? See, what do these three things say about what is first in our heart? If we were to take a look at him, would it show that he is number one or would it show that there's something else and that there are some adjustments that need to be made? See, friends, when we talk about this surge series, and talk about first fruits and our flow and our time, our schedule, our priorities, and the goal is to mature and grow, we've got to take some steps, maybe some small steps of beginning to grow and putting God first, of living for him and more of his desire and his will and less for our own. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you. God, even though this is challenging to grow and mature, God, I thank you that everything that you ask us to do and everything that we surrender in pursuit of you, God, is so worth the blessing and reward that comes on the other side of living for you. God, I pray that as we examine our hearts, as we examine our lives, God, that we would take a look at our flow, our time, our schedules, our priorities, and God, we would begin to put you first. God, that there wouldn't be guilt, there wouldn't be condemnation, that we wouldn't feel sad or sorry for those things, but God, instead, we would just begin to make choices in small ways and small areas of our life of putting you first. God, even these things, these four ways that we talked about, giving you the first of our day, maybe just getting up a few minutes earlier and spending some time with you alone, or, or maybe it's giving you the first of our week, making it a priority to come together and worship with others, and even right now in this online time to not fall away in our pursuit of you. And God, maybe it's giving you that decision making process and bringing you alongside and helping us make the decisions and live our life not in our own understanding wisdom, but instead surrendering our life to you. And God, I pray that you would help us to give you our hearts, putting you first, seeking you, Lord. Lord, I thank you, Lord. When we put you first, everything else begins to fall into place. God, thank you for your love for us. Thank you for your endless pursuit of us. God, that you're not an angry God pursuing us and wanting you, you're not a jealous God saying, I want you to put me first or else. No, God, that you are lovingly calling us, drawing us to put you first. And God, that when we do that, God, we will see the fruit and the blessings on the other side of that. Lord, I thank you. I thank you for challenging us and helping us grow in this year. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Friends, thank you so much for joining us. We're going to continue this series. Next week, we're actually going to all be together. We're coming together with our friends at New Life in Hill City. We got together on Christmas Eve and it was such an amazing time. We said, hey, why don't we do this again sometime on a Sunday morning? So we'll be getting together. There's two services that you're able to come to. All the information will be online and social media. And if you're not comfortable getting together in person, it will be online live. So you can watch it on social media online as usual. But we're going to invite you to that. And we're just so thankful as we continue you we're getting close to being halfway done with our 21 days of prayer just encouraging you that that if you didn't start it's not too late and that you can jump in you can start and stop wherever you want need more information hit up the website with the link 21 days of prayer there's all kinds of great resources for you and also don't forget to let us know how we can be praying for you we want to come alongside of you and support you and if i can be personally praying for you during your 21 days of prayer please don't hesitate to let me know we love you guys and we look forward to connecting with you again real soon Thanks for listening. If you would like to connect with us or learn more about our church, please visit us online at treeline.church or on social media. Our mission is to see family trees change by a lifelong relationship with Jesus. We hope you can listen or join us next week.